In today's show, we look at the fantasy basketball waiver wire. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So here we are to talk about um, the waiver wire, about players that are available, who's been added, who's been dropped, what things are, where we're looking. Just a quick schedule note for today. Obviously, today is Super Bowl Sunday. The NBA has two games on. They've both already started. And by the time you listen to this, they're finished. So normally, after Sunday's games, I do a recap show. But with two games, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do a recap show of Sunday's games, but also of Saturday's games. I'm going to put them all into one show. So you're going to get a little bit of a bonus recap show there uh, happening as well. So stay tuned for that. That will come today. It won't just be recapping Sunday's two games. I'll also do Saturday's games Spread it out. Give us some information about what happened post-trade deadline warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's look at the most added players over the last 48 hours I did this list. Number one, now some of this is skewed by the teams playing today, but number one is Talon Horton Tucker. He has been pretty strong. The minutes have been really good. We knew that with the absence of Beasley and Conley, that it would be a big bump for Sexton. I thought, given what I'd been hearing from um, Jazz Beat reporters, was that Oshai Agbaji would step into a larger role. And you're well aware that I said, hey, Agbaji's not that good. He's got a terrible fantasy profile. I don't I only think he's a 16-team league guy. Well, he's actually worse than I thought in, in this role. And they've cut his minutes way back. Remember the first time when Mike Conley got injured? Um, hurt his leg, and uh, Jazz reporter Tony Jones, who's all over the Jazz, said, I don't know if they're going to start Colin Sexton. I think they might start Taylor and Horton Tucker. And then Horton Tucker played about three minutes a game. They said, I really like him as a point guard. And I was like, well, that didn't work out. Uh, now we're getting a lot of Horton Tucker. He's playing a lot of point guard. Sexton's starting at point guard, but he sort of moves off the ball a little bit as well. And we're getting 27 minutes a night of Horton Tucker. And when the trade went down, we talked about Horton Tucker as a solid 14-team league option. I think he's pushed past that now. Um, I don't know if he's going to sustain as a must-roster 12-team league guy, but he has pushed into that zone. Giving, I thought maybe he'd be a 24-minute-a-night guy, 23-minute-a-night guy. He's getting 27, and that is a difference, enough to make him into a 12-team league option. Obviously, you've always got to be aware of his shooting numbers, but his ability to get um, assists, he can get some steals and rebounds, he's scoring well, and, and the minutes are pushing up, and that's one of the biggest keys there. These next couple of guys are Grant Williams' most added players, Xavier Tillman, Sam Hauser, Santi Aldama, Isaiah Livers. They're all just streams because they're playing on Sunday. And honestly, I put them there just for the completeness of this list. You don't have to worry about them. Apart from Hauser, who does have, with the absence of Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Tatum's going to miss a game this week as well. Hauser can give you five threes in a game very easily. He can give you 20 points with six triples. He might not, but he can. So he's at least a name to have on your stream list. 
Tillman's a stream option too, but they're not must-roster players. The two guys on this list that I think worth talking about are Zach Collins in San Antonio. First game without Perda was really strong. Second game, not as good. I do still believe that he is a 12-team league player. I know a lot of people... When I make the comment on Zach Collins, said, hey, he had a really unbelievably fantasy-friendly profile in college. He was a uh, high field goal percentage, high free throw percentage, shot-blocking, rebounding, three-point shooting big man, which is an unbelievable fantasy player. And in the NBA, it hasn't always worked out that way. He's had multiple injuries in Portland with his foot, his shoulder. In San Antonio this season, he had a leg fracture. And he hasn't put together those numbers consistently. I still think there's a little bit of that in there, not to the degree that he was able to do it at Gonzaga, but just in, in general, he, there is an ability to be a positive in both percentages, a shot-blocking, rebounding, three-point shooting big man. It's not always going to be there, but I would be really confident in him being a 12-team league player um, for at least in the short term to see what happens. Their backup situation, I don't know. I thought Charles Bassey would get that nod like he did earlier in the season, but they're keeping him in the G League, which is weird. I think he'll come out of the G League soon, but he's on only, only on a two-way, so he's got limits to his, to his games played, so remember that. The other name on this list is the big fella, Elf Stewart. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs who is almost a stereotypical poster boy for, eh, he's all right. Like, eh, he's fine. We can roster him, but we also don't have to. He's like the Harrison Barnes of pseudo big men. It's like, if he's on your roster, it's okay. And if he's off your roster, who cares? Like, I don't think he's got much upside to push up. I don't believe in him as a long-term player, but they are going to start him, you would think, most of the season, unless they decide to start James Wiseman at the four. It would be Stewart that cops it instead of Duran, I would guess. Um, he's been added because of the Pistons play today. I get that. But I don't think he's a must-roster. The other name there that, that I do like as a player is Isaiah Livers. And I, at the start of the season, I, I made a... Like, I, I did something. I can't remember what the show was or what I was doing. So I was, you know, was giving sort of sort of bold predictions. All right? I think Isaiah Livers is going to be a better player than Sadiq Bey. Not from a fantasy perspective, but from a real-life perspective. Well, I've got the real chance to say that because Bay has been disappointing, I believe. And Livers is going to get the chance to play more minutes. If I was the Pistons, I'd do everything different to what they've done, basically. Except, no, that's not true. I would have picked Cade. I would have picked Ivy at five. I would have picked Duran where they got him. Like I would have done that. Most of their other stuff, absolutely no, no interest in it. But what I would do is I'd try and see as much of Livers and Duran together as I can to see where the Livers can be my full-time starting four. His defensive ability, he can fit next to Boyan okay. So he's, he's one to watch. I wouldn't add Isaiah Livers in 12s or 14s. He's got a really, at the moment, bad fantasy profile. But he's a very interesting player to me, just to, just to watch and just to see exactly where that goes. He's got an opportunity, which is always what we want to see on these bad teams. Who's got an opportunity? Who's got a role that might appear? Like We talk about low-usage players who weren't able to do anything for fantasy early on. We're going to talk about a bloke in Dallas who's uh, flipped the script on that. We'll get to that in a second. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. Now, I'm not in a position to do any hiring. That's not my job anymore, but my partner is. She runs a small business. And like, yeah, I, I do this ad and we talk about LinkedIn all the time. So like, 
I take the piss and I say to her, hey, if you're looking for people for your job, you should try LinkedIn jobs. Small business owners recommend it. And she goes, hey, I go on LinkedIn all the time to get people. I go, what? She goes, yeah, LinkedIn's great for me finding people for my jobs. I went, wow, I'm going to use that in my next ad. Because So here we are. LinkedIn jobs helps you attract the qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and the 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one, in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's look at the most dropped players now. Um, all right. Some of these, again, make sense as a lot of them do. Some of them don't. Number one is Malik Monk. He was on a real roll, but he's injured. That's what you do with a player like that. He's hot. You add him. You use him. He's injured. You drop him. Pat Connaughton, very easy drop. Tari, regular season. What I don't understand with Tari Eason, right? And I, I, I do. I, I, maybe I do understand it. Is that there were so many people stashing him. I understand this. And they'll say, well, just wait. Just wait for an Eric Gordon trade. Eric Gordon got traded. And now you're dropping him. After like one game. Now, for me... And if you subscribe to my line of thinking, what happened was exactly what we thought was going to happen. Eric Gordon getting traded has no impact on Tari Eason whatsoever. And in game one without Eric Gordon, and also in that game without Kevin Porter, he played 19 minutes. We knew that would be the case. Or I, I can't say I knew. I expected based on all available evidence that that would be the case. So people added him, and now they've dropped him. I... Is he a drop? Sure, no problem. But you know that I was very skeptical of that stash anyway. But in 20 minutes a night, he's been a back-end guy anyway. So does he actually need to be dropped? Like, what more were you waiting for? I, I would have thought the reason you were holding on to Like, he's 145th over the last week. Like, that's okay. He's 178th for the season. Is he must-rostered? No, but he never was. I don't know. Bit interesting there to me. I don't know why I've got Royce O'Neill on this list twice, by the way. Um, just looking at that now. Yeah, so the Eason one, I've got no problem dropping him because, again, everything that I thought in this situation that would happen, happened. That doesn't preclude, again, if a Jabari Smith injury happens or a Shangun injury happens, I think Eason's going to be a great pickup. And if you do have the ability to sit on stuff a little bit, you can do it because it's not like he's not providing value. It's almost very similar to holding Mark Williams prior to the deadline, say, well, we understand there's a small chance that Plumlee gets traded, but in the interim, he's actually giving us back-end 12, um, 14 team league value, which is all right. So I guess if Eason's giving you this and maybe he sneaks a couple of extra minutes, I could see holding. But again, my expectations were down here, like really low. Everyone else is up here. Now everyone else's expectations have met up with mine. Got Royce now on that list. That's an unbelievably clear drop. In fact, he gets jacked. Get that garbage out! Dorian Finney-Smith, his teammate. Get that garbage out of here! A lot of people dropped Dante DiVincenzo. It looks like the Gary Payton trade will go through. We haven't heard that at this point, exactly. But even if it does, he's going to be hurt. But we saw some um, some issues with Payton in the minutes. He's not starting, as we said that he wouldn't, with Curry out. Curry will return in a few weeks, I'm guessing, after the break. Um, I think DiVincenzo still is a 12-team hold, but I, I do get why you would drop him. I don't think I would. And I've deliberately skipped over one of these names on here because someone told me that I never, ever speak about this player. So should I do it for the first time ever and speak about Cam Thomas? 
Yeah, let's do it. We'll talk about more on that recap show, but he played off the bench with the Nets having their full team. Actually, not their full team. Seth Curry wasn't there. Again, that that's not a huge surprise to me. And he played 18 minutes. Again, not a huge surprise to me. My thing with Cam Thomas the whole way through is he is a guy that can be a very high volume scorer, an elite scorer, but he pretty much sucks at most other parts of basketball. And in a team concept, that struggles. When you're playing one-on-one, like when you average 30 a game in summer league and you're doing everything, fine. When you're on a team that was missing five rotation players and you got absolutely crazy hot, fine. But on this team with a bunch of much better players, Bridges, Johnson, Finney Smith, Dinwiddie, Claxton, all those guys, it's harder to find that role for Cam Thomas. Now, a lot of you obviously have dropped Cam Thomas after that strong run of scoring. I wouldn't. Now, again, what does that advice mean coming from me when I didn't actually add him? And I already said, hey, yeah, my, my major plan on all this stuff is always, I'd rather hold my ads at the start of the week because I think I can get more long-term value seeing what happens at the trade deadline. I avoid the, the stream. And yes, if you added Cam Thomas last week, he probably helped your, you win your week. And that is absolutely true. But if it, if it was at the cost of adding Mark Williams, is it worth it long-term? That, that's my point. And I don't, in general, that rule will still stick for me. I won't be like, I'm going to rush to stream in a guy for two days before the deadline, hoping I could win this week. So I'm never going to get a player score 40 points in three consecutive games ever again off the way by. It just won't happen because it's never happened before. It just is not something that's going to happen with someone like a Cam Thomas. So my thought process on it remains the same, but obviously it was an L not adding him at the start of the week because you gain good value there to begin with. But if I did have him and I don't, yeah, I would have, A, sold high at the time. And some of the trades going through for him on the Yahoo trade marketplace were insane. CJ McCollum, Bradley Beal. I saw a Kyle Kuzma trade. Um, just in, I saw a Paul George trade, which is just insane, right? So if you did that, congratulations. But if I did still have him, I'd like to hold and just see where this rotation stabilizes. It was weird. They ran 12 guys in that game yesterday, and it was like seven random minutes for Patty Mills and four minutes for Dayron Sharp. And I don't think they're going to run 12 every night. And if three or four of those minutes go to Thomas, he could be a 23-minute-a-night player who averages 17 points. The problem you're going to have is is the 17, he's, he might end up turning into like an RJ Barrett with, with great free throws because RJ Barrett obviously sucks at free throws, but like a high scorer who doesn't do much else and can hurt your field goals. And you've got to debate whether that's good enough for you. But after one game, I don't think Thomas is going to start or be a 30-minute-a-night player or be their number one option. I've been really clear on this the whole way through. I don't think that's how he's going to roll. But I think he can. I think the role is interesting to watch, and I'd at least hold through the All-Star break, watch what happens the next couple of games, and then I'll make my. Then I would make my decision if I had him on a team, which of course you know that I don't. Then I would make that decision. That's how I would approach that. I wouldn't have um, dropped him now, but he's obviously trended down pretty hard. Um, today's episode is also brought to you by Fangio. The NBA season with a midpoint, well, you know, the sixty-seven percent point. But we're here. The perfect time is now to download the FanDuel app, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. So let's go and have a look. The Super Bowl odds, by the way, just in case you want to check, Eagles are still one and a half point favorites, as it has been every single... um. 
Every single day that we've checked, I can't believe there's been no movement on that whatsoever. But we've got a fan duel. Have a look. There's player award odds. Let's have a look at the MVP award odds. Nikola Jokic is miles ahead of everybody. Then it's Embiid, Giannis, Jokic, Tatum, and Jar. Interesting. Shea Gildas Alexander not in the top six there. I think he should be. I, what Shea is doing this season is ridiculous. And I, I, he's not got no chance of winning it, but just in terms of odds, I think he should be there. Plus, anyway, Fangio, let you combine uh, bets at a chance for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So, Pie. Why does it sound like that? So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanjul.com slash locked on. That's fanjul.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanjul, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's look at players who I believe are droppable. Again, well, let's re make sure it's, it's burnt into our heads. What does this mean? Does it mean go out and drop them? No, but it does mean that they are someone that if you want to drop them, I don't think there's a problem with it. The Cockroach, Mason Plumley. Thank you, sir. You were annoying and great from a fantasy perspective. It never made any sense for you. And look, there is a chance that he plays 24 minutes alongside Ivica Zubats. But one of the reasons why we were skeptical about Plumley at the beginning of this season, he wasn't drafted in many spots, is we thought, I don't think there's any way Plumley's playing 30 or minutes yeah. Like he's going to get 26 minutes as a center and PJ Washington will play there. They'll play some Williams. And then we're not interested in Mason Plumley. That was our... Th- uh, that was my thought process in the offseason. I'm sure that was your thought process in the offseason. Then he came out and he was getting 31 minutes a night and playing unbelievably. Oh, this is ridiculous. All right, but in 26 minutes a night, no one's excited about Mason Plumley, And that is absolute best case scenario for him alongside or behind Ivitz Zubats. Maybe they start him over Zubats. That would be insane. Um, but I think he can play like a Hartenstein role on that team, a 20-minute, 21-minute a night role. But that's not enough for me for Mason Plumley to be a 12-team league player. So you can go ahead and jack him off. Malik Beasley. Again, the the common thing that people will say about this is the Lakers need shooters. That is, that's true. 100% true. They do need shooters. No problem about that. Uh, well, he's playing against LeBron. Look at all the open shots he'll get. Yeah, that's true. But I think we need to just eliminate that narrative out of our head because people just go, well, LeBron just makes everyone better, which is just not true. Shout out Russell Westbrook. He doesn't make everybody better. He makes some people better. He makes some people worse, just like other players do. Um, how much has changed for Rui Hachimura? Nothing. Look, Beasley is going to go to a situation where he maybe plays more minutes. His first game had 17 minutes because they insisted on playing Schroeder and um, D'Angelo Russell together, which is pretty bad. But I guess with LeBron out, you need the extra ball handling. Beasley will just be a points and threes guy who's actually shooting really poorly from three this season, and he's never going to do anything else. And if that's not 30 minutes, if it's 25 minutes, then there's no point. I don't hate holding onto him, but I definitely don't think that Beasley should be viewed as an absolute must-roster player. The depressed penis, Sadiq Bay. This is contingent on him going to Atlanta in this trade, which I'm going to double check now to see if there's any news on it. There is not. But um, I, there's no way he's maintaining 12-team value. I feel all right moving on from him. I feel very good about moving on from Tim Hardaway, um, who's now got a hamstring injury. It looks like he might play tomorrow, but I, d- I don't care that much about that. He can be moved on from with the return or the arrival of Kyrie Irving. These other ones are more points league guys. Um Actually, no, they're not. They're all for everybody, but I, I focus more on point six here. There's no reason for me to hold Emmanuel quickly in 12-team leagues. There's absolutely no reason for me to hold on to Quentin Grimes. This briefcase and this haircut. First game with Josh Hart there, 22 minutes. 
That's the, one of the easiest drops ever. I've got Sadiq Bay in the points and categories drop, and Royce O'Neal's a drop right across the board. So I think Dorian Finney-Smith is probably a drop in points and 12-team category league formats too, given the um, abundance of wings there in Brooklyn. But there's some names that are rostered in a ton of different spots that you can definitely use to open up some um, roster positions. And if we go onto the must-roster list, these are guys who are available. I think they're all top 100 players, rest of season. And they're available in at least 20 to 30% of leagues. At least, sometimes more. We'll just run through the list. There's a lot of centers here, yes. But they all should be rostered. Walker Kessler, absolute must roster. He's like a top 40 guy, maybe, rest of the season. I heard an interesting statement about Kessler somewhere. I don't remember where it was. I think it was on Twitter. I think it was Andy Larson on Twitter, Jazz Reporter. He said, you know, watch for Kessler's block numbers to go down as his career progresses. And that's an important point for those of you in dynasty leagues. That is true. That happens to basically every center is they get smarter and they don't go for as many blocks and they get their rim protection stuff through intimidation and positioning versus like they stand there and go like, don't you try it? And the guy goes, yeah, I won't try it. Like, and the block numbers drop. Very rare for a high shot blocking, really huge shot blocking big man when he's young to see those numbers increase. We're seeing it a little bit with Rob Williams at the moment. Gobert's dropped off this season. Like they can still get good numbers, but not absolutely sky high. That's why Hassan Whiteside was a terrible defender because he always just kept going for blocks. And while it was great for fantasy purposes, it also got him out of the league because of how bad he was defensively. So watch for that. Mark Williams, very, very easy ad. Oh, hi, Mark. Please tell me none of you dropped him after that game against Denver yesterday where he got 3,000 the first seven minutes of action. I think it was. He had 4,000 his first 14 minutes. He's going to have foul trouble. He's a rookie. That's going to happen. Um, but he's a clear must-roster player. Dan Gafford. I think it's a pretty clear must-roster player. Yes, Kuzma is out, but I don't think that's impacting him that much. I would have him, as I've said continually, over Denny Avdia on that team. Jalen Duran, Passport legend. People will often ask me, hey, who do you prefer out of Williams and Gafford and Duran and Kessler? I look at them, they're all top 70 players. And if you've got to make that choice in your league, A, your league is bad because you um, have a a limit on centers or it's extraordinarily shallow. It's like saying, man, I need to drop one of these guys. CJ McCollum, D'Angelo Russell, Clay Thompson. Who do I drop? That is how stupid the center limit is. Like a center limit is ridiculous. It is stupid. It should never exist. ESPN, if you're watching, and I know you're not, but if you are watching, please remove it as a default. Why do you have this relic from 25 years ago stuck as a default setting? Nonsense. Um, But like, if you have to make a call between those guys, I, I think it's a coin toss. Honestly, I think they're all, Kessler's a, a level above, but Mark Williams, Daniel Gafford, and, and Jalen Duran, they're all pretty similar. They'll play 26 to 30 minutes, maybe. Maybe I'll probably have Duran actually a little bit higher than Williams and Gafford. But does Wiseman impact him? I don't know. I'll probably have Duran a little bit higher. But yeah, they're, they're very close. Colin Sexton's a must-roster player. We know Sexton's issue. He won't be, I don't think, as good as he was those early seasons in Cleveland because he won't be the number one option. That is Larry Markadon. He had that first big game where he racked up big defensive numbers. And I don't think that's a realistic scenario for him moving forward. But good scoring. He's improved his assist numbers. Clear must roster. Killian Hayes, I think he's a must roster player. Now, that's not going to be for everybody, though. But if he's on your waiver wire, you've got to look at it and go, hmm, can, can I do this? Does this make sense for my team with his poor field goals? I think the role for him is pretty strong. Um, Kelly Olenek, I don't really think much is changing with him. You know, I absolutely despise buyouts and contracts, I think they're ridiculous. 
I, I don't really think there's any risk of that happening with Kalielinik. Maybe it does. And then we drop him. But for now, like he's got a 30-minute-a-night role. And the way the Jazz set things up is they look at them and go, his spacing and his passing helps our young guys like Walker Kessler, like Lowry Markinen, like Colin Sexton. Having a player like that out there helps our other guys develop. And I think that's important. I've got Zach Collins on that list as well. I just think he should be rostered. That list could have gone on for maybe five or six more names, perhaps. You know, throw KJ Martin into that mix as well. And we're going to talk about him right now. Because these are the players who are top 100 over the last week. Let's go through and see what are, which one of them make which one of them makes sense. Um, I think when we look at this and the value of these guys, like Sohan, actually, let me let me hit the music. Sohan, now! Is Jeremy Sohan a must-roster player? No, I don't think he's must, but he's absolutely worth looking at. His first game back from the back issue was pretty solid, but he's only played 22 minutes, and there's going to be ups and downs and frustrations with him. But I think he's worth having a look at. Josh Okoge had some two really good games in a row, but I don't think that's going to stick. I've seen Okoge be a bad fantasy player in the past. He's getting some big opportunity at the moment, and really the only player out is Kevin Durant. Oh, and Tony Warren. But we'll see what happens when Durant plays and then when Warren and when Warren plays and Terrence Ross is coming in there as well. I don't think I'd be burning ads on a Kogi. Josh Green's an interesting one. When the Kyrie Irving trade went down, I looked at him as a 14-team league ad. And I said, I'm not really sure how the usage looks when, um, uh, when Kyrie and Luca are there. But... I've amended. Look, I think the Hardaway injury helps. I think he is going. Well, he is going to start when they're healthy, giving him a couple of extra minutes of projection. Um, I worry a bit about his shooting, which is so far above normal that there is going to be some regression there. But I think he's a twelve-team league guy. I don't think that he's a, a consistent or persistent top one hundred player. But I think you're going to have some strong numbers now from Josh Green. But I think he's going to settle back in and your roster, you look at him and go, well, is he my 11th best player or my 12th best player? I think that's probably where he sits when the shooting does cool off and he has games of 12 or 11% usage. Just be aware of that. KJ Martin, I think, is a must roster play. He's going to start rest of the season, play 30-plus minutes. He does have some bad free throw issues, but I think he's a strong ad. Dan Gafford's in the top 100. We just spoke about him. Devontae Graham's in the top 100 because he had that one really big game when everyone was out. His second game was okay. I don't think he's a 12-team league guy. There'll be nights where he pops off, but the inconsistency with his minutes and his role and the role of other people in front of him is going to make him a tough guy to, to, to use consistently. Chris Boucher's top 100. I guess with Gary Trent out, he does get a little bit of a boost. Their roster is still ridiculous. At least they got a center in Pirtle, but they still have no guards or no shooting, and they're going to have to play a bench full of all power forwards. So Boucher's got some value, but I wouldn't say he's must-roster. And then Reggie Bullock's been top 100. Yeah, I don't. I don't try. I'd much rather trust Josh Green than Reggie Bullock. Bullock has been much better of late, and he's probably pushed himself ahead of Tim Hardaway and into a Dorian Finney-Smith role. But they benched him last game, so it was Green who got the starting nod over Bullock, and that makes me not as interesting in, with him. We're not as interested. Those are good deep leagues. Now, if I'm going to go just solely by my projections, the Taylor Horton Tucker is a 12-team league option. But he's rostered in so few leagues that I have put him on this list, just so those of you in deep leagues don't get discouraged. He's rostered in like 10% of leagues. I would be happily adding Horton Tucker in 12-team leagues. Understand that he's probably a back-end guy. But I mentioned this here, like anything 14 and above, like you got to grab him. Matisse Leibel, I think will have 12-team value for the right teams. I don't know what they'll do because there's still a lot of options in Portland. There is, they started Cam Reddish. There's Nasir Little. There's Shaden Sharp. Now there's going to be Thibel. Like I don't think Thibel's got any shot at 30 minutes. 
but in 23 minutes, he can get 1.6 deals and, and, one, and like 0.8 blocks, which might be enough for you. That might be all you need. You'll get nothing else. So I don't think he's a must-roster 12-team league guy, but he's in consideration. Jay Crowder, I think, won't get enough minutes to be a 12-team league guy. And of course, we know he's inconsistent. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. But he's a 14-team league option. I think Nembhard's a 16-teamer. I think Big Dick Nick Richards at 14-team is worth grabbing. We saw that when Williams gets into foul trouble, Richards is going to step up. And he's going to provide back-end value where he can be a 12-team streamer, but he's a solid 14-team league ad. I've got Gabe Vincent as a 14-teamer. I don't have any problem with adding him in 12s. I don't think Lowry is going to be healthy all season. I don't think this is hot takey. I don't think Lowry is going to get the starting job back as automatically as what might be assumed. I think Vincent. I think Vincent's a 12-team league guy. I'll write it. I'll see what happens when Lowry returns, but I'm not looking at this and going, this is not an Omer Yurtseven situation where I go, yeah, they'll just start him next to Bam. He's really good. Like I, I actually think Vincent is good. And I actually think that he's better than Lowry in their lineup at the moment with how Lowry's playing. So it's a bit hot takey, um, but at least we've got actual value in the short term for Gabe and maybe at last, but definitely in 14s. And I, I would add him in 12. Rubio's a 16-team league guy for me, even a 14-team league with his assists. And then the other one to watch is Dario Saric in Oklahoma City. If Saric plays 25 a night, which we know is hard given Kenridge Williams and Pig Williams and um, Eugene Omarui, who they just signed to a contract, and the return of Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and the eventual return of Pokashevsky, maybe, that it might be hard for Saric to get those minutes. But in a 16-team league, I would grab him. And let's just see what they do with the rotation. He's probably better than all of those guys apart from Kenridge. He's not super, super old. I don't know. He, he's. I just watch him in deeper leagues. And then we talk about other names to watch. Blunty, James Wiseman. I actually added him in a 14-team league. Um, I don't feel good about it because, and I think maybe I'm getting swayed a little bit. Well, he was a number two pick. He's shown some flashes at times. I still think he's not a very good on-court player, but... I'm trying to use my own logic here where I go, huh, I wouldn't have traded for him. I don't think there's any reason to play him at the four, but the Pistons will just do the opposite of what I think. So maybe they will force him into 25 minutes a night, which is worth looking at. Now, he's probably going to be a bad free throw guy. He doesn't block as many shots as you think he should. There would never be an assist. Steals would be low. He's not going to hit many threes, but he's at least someone to watch. Again, he should play 20 minutes a night. But this is the team that started Marvin Bagley over Jalen Duran and signed Marvin Bagley to an extended contract and has no idea how the modern NBA seems to work. So he's, a, he's one to watch. I'm not interested in adding him in, in standard leagues at all. I'm not, I'd rather watch and wait, but I did add him in a 14 to see what happens. Malachi Branham is a name that everyone has been interested in adding in 12-team leagues. I'm a little more skeptical on that. I've got no problem with adding him. You know, I generally tend to be quite pessimistic with players that you know, pop off and have these games where they score 20 points on 65% shooting. Eh, it's not going to stick. Like, what else are you going to bring? And then when you bring other players back into the fold, we see some issues. Now, if I was the Spurs, I would start him over Romeo Langford, and, and Langford's injury continues to linger. There's a chance he plays 28 a night, Branham. There's also a chance at 28 a night for Malachi Branham's a 14-team league player and not a 12-team league guy. I'm no problem with adding him. I just don't think that he's a spectacular must-roster top 100 rest-of-season guy. Jalen Suggs' last game was very interesting. Very interesting. What do you have, like four steals and three blocks? I already know, and we've said this a lot about Suggs, he is an elite defensive guard already. The problem for me with him next to Markel Fultz is that both of them are dreadful shooters. 
And how does that work in your backcourt? Now, he's clearly more part of the future than Gary Harris. I would say he's more part of the future than Cole Anthony. So I'm watching where this trends for Suggs. I would add him in 14s, and he's on the watch list for 12s. He was able to be a 12-team league guy for a period of time earlier in the season, but that was when Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz were out. And I've yet to see him push into 30 minutes a night with them healthy, and that I'm not I'm not there with him, but I'm watching it. I put Bol Bol on this list because a lot of people still believe that Bol Bol is going to have this huge role, and I, I, I don't see it. It's going to take injuries to get there. Again, like I took injuries to get there to begin the season. I still think the Bowl's horrific defense is what keeps him off the court. It's another one of those things where we look at fantasy numbers and we don't actually see why the guy hasn't been playing and doesn't play. It's because he's so bad with what he does defensively. And while the fantasy stat set is really nice, I just don't think there's a role there for him. I put Colin Sexton on this list because just to mention again, yes, he is a 12-team must-roster player, but the production will be iffy at times. The big stiffy, the five-minute man, Bones Highland. There's a lot of things that interestingly happened with the Clippers. People are like, well, he's their only point guard now. Yeah, but he's not going to play as their starting point guard playing 27 minutes a night. I just don't see how that's going to happen. Like there are The wide range of opinions on Bones is pretty interesting. People who have him in fantasy, well, is, there, is there any point guard? He'll, he'll play big minutes. What are you talking about, Josh? You must add. Other NBA analysts are like, yeah, he was a worthy flyer. I'm not sure he's actually going to play every night for them. So where does that fit in? They don't care that He's their only point guard. They run Terrence Mann at point guard and Norman Powell at point guard. They don't want a point guard. Like, and if they do get a point guard, maybe it's Russell Westbrook. I don't think that Bones is a 12-team league guy. I don't think that they'll develop him. They'll give him some opportunities, but I don't think he's going to get enough. We haven't seen it yet. I'd love to. I'd like to see what happens there, but I don't think that Bones is a 12-team league player. And the last one's Jared Vanderbilt Bar, who Laker fans are now frothing over every time he touches the ball. I thought he was really good in that first game yesterday. He also played like 17 minutes and with Hachimura and Davis and maybe Bumba getting into the mix. I'm not sure that there's this pathway for 29 minutes a night for Vanderbilt. And if he gets 26, that puts him into 12 team. I don't even know that he gets that. So he's fine to have, he's fine to hold, but I don't think he's going to be this big boost. I think he might do basically the same as what he did in Utah. And that does it for me today in a very long waiver wire show. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.